Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hey, and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. If this is your first time listening to the program, welcome! On Mainstream, the team behind sifter.com.au discuss their experiences playing a variety of games. It could be a big AAA action title, something smaller like a micro game or an indie release, retro releases and newly reissued games as well, it's all covered here. This week, we're diving into the PlayStation and PC exclusive Kenner. Bridge of Spirits, and joining me for a wild ride into the world of all things spirit guiding is James Morrison, video producer with the Sifter team. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's let's just jump right in from the go. This is Mainstream. What is Kenna, Bridge of Spirits? the debut game from Emberlab, who prior to releasing Kenner had experience as an animation studio. It's also an action-adventure platformer, it has tight combat, lots of environmental puzzle solving, and a focus on what it would call emotive storytelling. You take the role of Kenner, a spirit guide, as she wanders through a forgotten, corrupted forest, bringing life back to damaged lands and helping lost spirits find peace and cross over into the afterlife. You'll also be joined by what I would call weird, hairy minion type things called the Rots. Um, You can put hats on them. You can pose with them. They also power up your abilities. I really don't know what they are other than that, uh, but they're everywhere in this game. And they're also collectibles that you find. So now that we've kind of got the bare bones basics of what this thing is, I'm I'm really curious, James, what are your initial thoughts from from what you've played so far? Uh, Well, let me get... Start by saying the comparison to Minions made me like the Rots even more. Uh, I didn't actually pick up on that until you brought it up, but yeah, uh, big fan of Minions, so big fan of the Rots now. Uh, and I forgot the question already. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it? What were your first impressions with with Kenna? Um, clearly, it stuck with you. Yeah, look, it's beautiful. That honestly, that is my first taking point. Like just off the bat. You switch it on, especially playing on PS5, which is what you and I have both been playing on. It looks great. And there's not much more I can really say about that apart from like the seamlessness between like gameplay and cinematics. It's really good the way that it kind of, it almost looks the same. Obviously different camera angles and whatnot because cinematics aren't the same as playing a game, but just the way that it transfers over from like if you consider playing a game like a, a tv show let's a well shot tv show into like a full like cinematic episode then that's kind of the way that it it goes about itself 
that I really enjoy. Didn't love the combat so far, um, but you know everything else is pretty good. It's interesting that you bring up that that sort of like it feels very cinematic in the way that it's it's kind of done. And you, you're right. It's it's I think for a few console generations now, we've been waiting for the promise of hey, it's a DreamWorks or a Pixar game come to life, and you'll be able to play it. And it looks like that. And I feel like PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X, this current generation of graphics cards, we're finally hitting that point where real time action games actually start looking like what you would see at big cinemas in terms of like live graphics in the moment. And, and, and I think Kenna definitely has a bit of that as well. It's like, it has a really, particularly, I think some of the strongest parts of this game are the pre-rendered cinematics that kind of happen throughout the game and kind of pepper bits of story for you. I was like, these are really gorgeous. I could watch 15, 20 minutes of this anytime. Um, But yeah, as you mentioned, there are some things that don't quite work. So I thought we might jump into like, I guess, kind of the broad strokes of plot story and narrative we're not going to do many spoilers here so if you are kind of bracing yourself to play Kena, don't worry um we're not going to spoil more than the first hour or two of this game but i thought i might flag a couple of things that i thought worked really well which is that this game is sort of broken up into different little hubs that you explore and each one is telling a mini short story based on the spirits that you encounter within those zones and, and their overarching story. And I thought that that was actually handled really well. Um, what did you take away from from some of those early moments of like meeting spirits and, and their stories and how they unfell? I kind of enjoyed um, meeting all the characters and spirits along the way. I thought the way that the, the game is written kind of puts you on an empathetic pathway to begin with because you do play as Kena, this kind of like spirit guide whose job is literally to help spirits move on. Um, so just even the introduction of the, the first spirit, Taro, who's the older brother of these two um, younger forest dwellers that you meet along the way. Our brother Taro is trapped deep in the forest. We need you to help him. Great idea, Saya. That'll be easy for her. Did you see what she did to that stick guy? Help us free Taro and we'll take you to the mountain shrine. Our village is this way. The introduction through Taro and how you have to help him, I thought that was all handled really, really well and kind of puts you on a pathway to actually care about these characters to begin with. And I think that was what worked actually really, really well. Um, In fact, getting me to care about characters who I don't know or have known for like two minutes um, I think is something that always grasps, grasps me and pulls me into a game or into a story. It's interesting, though, because while that works really strong for characters like Taro or other characters that you might meet later, I kept asking myself, who is Kenna? Like, what's her deal? <laughs> what's her story, her personality? She She has this kind of very dry, almost emotionless voice acting, and it's almost like she's like the background character in all these other stories that are happening. And I think that kind of takes away a little bit for me. It's like, I'm playing this character, but I don't really know much much about her. Her motivations are very vague. We start getting an idea of her motivations towards the end of the game, but it still feels very underdeveloped in who she is as a character. 
Um, did you did you feel that at all as well, or were you like, yeah, I love this character. She's sick. She's got a staff. Yeah, I actually one hundred percent agree with you. Whereas that kind of dry stoic don't know much about the mysterious protagonist whereas that works really well for you know your mad maxes and your john mcclain's i feel as though it works a lot better in video games where you actually know more about the character and i don't know if that's my gender bias going on because i literally as i said you know mad max john mcclain i was like oh but then you know you've got like your master chiefs and stuff but I like the way that, say, Horizon Zero Dawn approaches the character of Aloy or even, you know, other games that I've played in the past where um, I can't remember her name, but you're the lead protagonist in um, Mirror's Edge. It kind of puts you in there immediately and there is enough backstory to kind of care about them and enough self-driven uh, motivation of the character that you're like, yeah, I can, I can get on board with this person, but you're right with Keena. It's just like, well, she's kind of just there in the background. And while you are experiencing the world from her point of view, you're not really experiencing her point of view. Um, and I, in a way I found that frustrating because I so deeply wanted to connect with this beautiful game, but at, at the end of the day, it's just not something that I keep getting drawn back to. Uh, whereas, you know, something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I was like, all right, I care about Cassandra. I want to play as her every single day. This one's like, uh, do I care? Do I want to help Kena? I, I know what you mean. It's 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 interesting to me because I think there is a, a hump moment in this game. And once you get over it, I suddenly found myself going, oh, man, I can't wait to continue the rest of this and finish this story off. It's not a long game. It's about 12, 15 hours from what I've been told. I'm at about like the nine hour mark or so. So I feel like I'm coming up to the very end of the game now. And there definitely was a moment where things flicked for me and the desire to finish and see where the story was going finally kicked in. But boy, up until that point, I was like, this is the most generic kind of like, okay, pretty game. Um, solid gameplay, but do I really care? Are the themes really intriguing? Not that much. It's kind of like very much a here's corruption, nature's out of balance kind of story that seems to be bubbling underneath that. You know, I feel like I played too many video games that have leaned on corruption as like a plot. And, you know, I'm always here for any sort of game that wants to explore the idea of nature in decline or, you know, you know, resonant themes like climate change kind of coming through the narrative. But I didn't feel like there was enough there to really like feel like I was having a substantive, like just something to grab onto other than the the kind of really great mini stories that accompany the various spirits that you inhabit. That was great sort of short story um, writing that I could dive into. But the bigger themes of this game just kind of left me going, okay, nature in decline. Yeah, climate change probably, sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know why at the halfway point I felt this desire and this pull to go back and finish it. But that also kind of, I think, moves us to action and gameplay, which I think can either be a real hit or a real miss, depending on what you want to get out of this game. And um, you mentioned um, already that you felt like the combat and the action wasn't really clicking for you. Um, how would you describe it and why wasn't it quite working? I don't want to use the word clunky at all because it is the the combat is quite smooth in the way that it does things. But um, I even felt the camera at some points didn't really work that well in for my my preferred play style anyway. Like 
in a third person action game like this, you know, you, you kind of run around, maybe you'll select one target by clicking R3 or something like that. I'm like, okay, cool. This works for me. I, I can't properly articulate the way that it makes me feel, but even just like clicking R3 and selecting one of one opponent didn't really do it for me. Like the camera still moves around a lot. I feel as though we're actually just like pretty close to Kino in regards to where the actual camera position is. So every time that a like a combatant or an opponent jumps from left to right, you know, there's a lot of movement in the camera. And that kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, but just that it's quite difficult. Like the combat is actually really, really hard. And I remember um, you saying before this interview that it actually almost feels like Dark Souls. Did you want to elaborate on that? Oh, yeah. Look, I, this is a really cutesy wootsy foilala, like, yay, I'm in the forest and I've got my little minion friends sort of tone game. You know what I mean? Like the tone of this game is like, I'm on a tween adventure. I, you know, if I had a kid and they were eight years old, we could pass the controller back and forth and we could play together. It's got that feel. And then you get into the combat and it's like, hope you're ready to die in three hits on normal difficulty if you make a single mistake. And, you know, I love games that have that sort of challenge, but Kina is not a game where I want that challenge. Yeah, it's it's not clunky. Animations are smooth. Everything feels responsive. I will say that I felt like the lock-on, as you already mentioned, isn't super fantastic so i was doing a lot of what i do in dark souls particularly because so many fights in this game are multi-enemy encounters where i would do a lot of battles with lock on off and save lock on for big bosses where you want to strafe around them um, but what i found was enemies in this game do a thing that a lot of people hated in dark souls 2 which is that enemies will kind of track you and start rotating mid-swing while they're attacking so that they hit you really easily unless you precision dodge at the very right moment um so that i found really frustrating compared to say other kind of games that are this like punishing in terms of like really you can only make three or four mistakes you have maybe two chances or three chances depending on what's in the environment to heal during combat as well so you are really limited in what you can do and you have a really limited move set at first as well you don't really have complex combos you have one weapon you will unlock more abilities later on that could help make combat a bit easier. But I did feel like the the power scale is not in your favor and is in the enemy's favor. And you get punished by really fast moving enemies that kind of kind of lock onto you. Like there is this like mini boss fight very early on uh, with an enemy that throws a shield at you. And I feel like that shield was flying at me in like three frames. <laughs> and if I did not like dodge or block within like a very tiny window, I was getting smacked by it for a quarter of my health. And that was the moment where I was like, I don't know if the investment in wanting to master this combat is worth the time that this game is is giving me or, or, or everything else that this game is giving me. Um, and that was when I dropped down the difficulty from normal to story mode. And story mode can be like, so underbaked that combat is not a challenge or on some boss fights feels like what normal difficulty should be like, <laughs> which is wild. And, and, you know, I've done some later boss fights now in story mode where I was like, man, if this was on normal difficulty, I would be here for 45 minutes learning boss patterns like it was Sekiro. And I don't want to do that in this game. 
So, you know, I'm grateful for dropping down a difficulty and, you know, I have no qualms with anyone who thinks you should drop down on difficulties in games, like just do it, um, find what works for you. But it's, it's kind of weirdly tuned in that way. You know, it's like, I'm not sure like why they wanted the combat to be this spicy, because I also don't think the combat is filled with enough verbs and with enough combos and with enough things for Kina to do for it to be this like intense. No, I have to 100% agree with you because even that first boss fight, like 30 minutes in, you go up against this Groot-like tree um, who turns out just to be like a a sub-boss for much of the game further on, like pretty much almost most fights you go into in the next hour after that have one of these guys in them. It's just that first one on normal difficulty, I was like, man, this is really, really difficult um because it's not often you go into a game that looks like this and expect you to die in the first boss fight i mean i I don't associate this game with looking difficult just by you know the vibe that it gives off but i really did enjoy the um mental image that was brought up when you mentioned maybe this this is a game you can play with like um a parent and a child and then pass the controller back and forth um that's pretty cool i can definitely see this game as kind of something where the kid would get stuck into a story and then you know a, a parent figure will be able to help them through it and play with them with the combat um which leads me to another point what is the target audience for this game because it does have some adult themes in you know spirit guides and everyone's dead pretty much you're guiding spirits that's not a spoiler like spirits are the essence of someone who was once alive but what is the target audience like is it for kids or is it for people a bit older like you or i or even you know older than that yeah i feel like i'm getting something out of it i mean like i'm ancient i'm over 30 and like it's fine okay boomer no thanks yeah thank you yeah i am a boomer actually it's it's geriatric millennial thank you very much that is Uh, the bracket that i fit into (laughs) the wonderful age where you both remember what a message board was from like the early 2000s but also know how to navigate tiktok um but it is kind of sweet and emotive in a couple of ways that made me go oh yeah this is kind of adorable this is fine what i think worked really well for me and like hit me in terms of like audience demographic is just kind of the action like platforming element of this game which is i think like really fun climbing exploring um environmental puzzles um can be really enjoyable to go through um in this game there are some cool abilities that you get later that allow you to like levitate platforms and lots of them are timed and i found all of that to be really fun and kind of like it scratched that itch that I get when I want to play like a Mario game sometimes. And I just want to enjoy jumping from place to place. And that gameplay felt really, really solid. And it's just a shame that like story difficulty is too easy. Normal difficulty is just tuned up a little bit more than where I want to be in the mindset of a game like this. Um, But the action and platforming is all there for me. I loved um stumbling across puzzles and looking for new rots and areas that I found really enjoyable. Um, But, and I don't know if this happened to you, but some of these puzzles suck and you know, I like it is their first game. um, So I feel like you are going to have stumbling blocks sometimes. Um, But there was one puzzle very early on around a pond. Um, I'm going to go into light spoiler territory here, but essentially 
um, you have to kind of light four different torches with your bow and arrow. Um, but what you have to do is you have to shoot them in a certain order. And the game's only clue for this is a bunch of candles on some rocks surrounded by all this corruption vine stuff that honestly, there is so much of that stuff in the environment that I walked past it 15 times before I realized that was the hint about what I was meant to do. And it just really annoyed me because they never used that mechanic again ever in the game in terms of like, and and it seems to be a moment where everyone gets stuck because I did the classic thing where you Google the puzzle solution because you're annoyed. And it's like the first thing that pops up whenever anyone searches for this game is how do I solve this damn puzzle? So I don't know if you had any moments like that that were frustrating um, in what was an otherwise pretty good kind of platforming experience. Yeah, um, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. I don't think we are, but there's this moment where you're like at a lake where there's this waterfall and you're with these two forest children. They're like, oh, wow, that old guy's house is so far away. And I was there for about 15 minutes just like running around, swimming around this pond. And the swimming sucks, by the way, because there's no like speed up option. You're just doing breaststroke the entire way. You can't break out into freestyle. It doesn't exist in this game. But um, I had no idea what to do. I was just running around this lake for, you know, a while before I was like, maybe I'll just go this different way. There was no nowhere in the game that was trying to like direct me or push me in the direction of like, how do I get to the top of this waterfall if I can't jump up rocks to the side? It's literally, you kind of almost have to go back the way you came. So instead of going forward, you have to take an extremely sharp left by about, you know, like 120 degrees and then continue back that way and you end up going around up the waterfall and i was like this is ridiculous i got stuck there too yeah it's and then there's there's other bits there's like an island where it's like maybe i'll swim across to that so you swim across to it and you find a rot but that's it that's your reward for swimming across this thing which takes it is a long ass swim like you are 100 correct when i jumped in the water in this game i was like i don't want to swim again never again after Uh, one one and done it's it's interesting you bring this up because I think it also like it's it's another disappointment for me, which is like you can get lost in this game really easily. And so the game has a map which isn't the most like intuitive map, and it has some fast travel markers which you'll unlock later, which can be a big help. Um, but it uses this mechanic called Spirit Mask, where you get a mask and you can pop it on uh, by using the left digital whatever D pad button, um, and then the game swaps from third person to first person you look through Keena's eyes while she's wearing the mask and you're meant to kind of see the waypoints that are on your map visually represented where you're looking and one the first thing that happens is you get disorientated because you've swapped from first like third person to first person so you have to kind of immediately go wait where am I again and and Keena might be like looking in a different direction when she puts the mask on so you feel lost from where the camera was originally and then the markers themselves don't feel that intuitive. They'll just be bright and big, and it's hard to kind of figure out how far away they are. Like, are they underground or are they above ground? Like, what is going on? Um, so it just made me miss. Um, I played a lot of Ghost of Tsushima in the last year, and then I replayed it when it came out uh, with the director's cut. And the simplicity of like just like nudging the trackpad and having some wind blow and some animations that gently nudge you in the direction of where you should vaguely head with not fully telling you what to do 
um, is so nice. It lets you still be a little bit explorative and find your way. But I, I, I just felt like in this game, sometimes I'd be like, I am bloody lost. Um, it happened to me about four or five times. Um, and yeah, I wonder if it's a case of like, yeah, first time game developing a 3D space. We haven't quite fully worked out how some people um, intuit these spaces. And it, it definitely does do that sort of stuff. Like that early lake area, it's really easy to be like, but where do I go now? Do I go in this lake? Do I go over there? Do I swim for 10 minutes to find that rot over there and then have to swim back? Uh, it's a bit like that. What about the music and the score in this game? at times was reminding me of some of the softer moments from things like Avatar The Last Airbender, which is not where I thought I would be going with my brain, but where I ended up with, with Keener in a lot of ways in terms of music. Um, yeah, I, I found myself really enjoying sound design in this game, even just like the weird grunts and sounds that the rots make. Um, you know, it's that perfect sort of minion-y, adorable thing that they do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the rots sound designer movement was pretty good because it reminds me of even like playing lego loco as a kid and you're like you pick up a little villager or whatever and then they make some kind of cute noise to acknowledge that they're being picked up whether it's like what or like whoo whatever you know when you do pick up these characters but um i like the eastern influence of the um score as well just being able to hear what uh, sounds like a, a japanese or a chinese influenced you know string instrument something like that playing along it i suppose the soundtrack to me did feel a lot like um avatar the last airbender as well because there are near cinematic moments oh really cinematic moments in a tv show where um you know the score is almost the most important part because that will i don't know music to me has always been a very no, I don't know if I want to say spiritual thing, but music has a way of connecting with people that other forms of storytelling or other media doesn't quite do that. Um, but no, I agree with you. It's essentially the TLDR of what I'm trying to say. Um, the music was great. Um, I wouldn't say go out and buy a PlayStation 5 to play Kena. Um I still don't know who it's for. I mean, it's enjoyable, but if I'm comparing it to other platform games of a similar vibe, um, I'd say stick to your Mario's or stick to your Breath of the Wilds or even Breath of the Wild Bees, which are, you know, Phoenix Immortals Rising or Immortals, whatever that Ubisoft one is. Because it's very similar to that, but I feel as though the combat, the storytelling and whatnot are done a bit better in those more open world games. But I suppose if you're looking for a linear story that can be easy to connect to and will actually tell you a more wholesome story, then I suppose Kena would actually be really good. Like if you've got young younger kids, I would say if this is their first foray or one of them into gaming, I would say this is a really good starting point. Yeah, just, just turn it down to story difficulty or everyone will be throwing the controller against the wall. <laughs> yeah, I've don't rage quit now as much as i did when i was seven uh and i that's honest it's 100 percent true cool well that's that's kenna bridge of spirits 
here on Mainstream by Sifter. You're listening to Mainstream by Sifter. Visit us on sifter.com.au. All right, this has been Mainstream by Sifter. It's what video games the Sifter team have been playing at the moment. My name is Adam, and a big thank you again for being part of episode number 29, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Big thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. James, if people are on the internet and they're strolling around, they're like, I want to hear more of you. I want to see what else you're doing. Where can they go? Well, I tweet once a year at OJ Machine. That's O-J-M-A-C-H-I-N-E. Or you can find me on the Discord or if you care about photography, check me out at Specs Morrison on Instagram. Awesome. And if you're curious about what Discord that was, it's at sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. That's sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. If you're curious about where I am on the internet, I am only on there at the moment as well. I'm taking a brief lockdown related break from social media because it is doing my head in. Um, you can give Sifter a follow on social media though. We're everywhere on at SifterHQ on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, You can say hi to us on those platforms if you want to chat to the rest of the team. We've also got another podcast. It's called Lightmap. If you're curious about how games are made, if you want to hear the stories of how game developers and creatives put things together and create interactive media, you can head to Lightmap. Um, Just type in Sifter on your favorite podcast player and you can follow every episode of Lightmap and Mainstream for free. We've also got a website. It's at sifter.com.au. There's articles, pieces, videos, and more that you can check out there, including our very recent Sifter showcase that we put together uh, for Melbourne International Games Week, featuring a whole bunch of locally developed games and interviews with the devs behind them. We've got heaps more there, sifter.com.au. And don't forget, if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend? And you can review and rate the podcast. It really does help. Word of mouth is a thing. Um, On that note, Peace out. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of apple arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism this offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled 